Hey, you're about to hear a great word from our teaching team. At Freedom House, we're about equipping you to experience Christ's freedom every day. We would love to connect with you. We stream our live services Sundays at 10.30 and 12.15 Eastern Standard Time. You can join us at freedomhouse.cc live. I hope you enjoyed this message. Hello, good morning, Freedom House. Good morning. You guys doing all right today? That is a much better greeting than I got yesterday at the 5 o'clock. I, I, started, I started off and I actually got booed from this section over here. And what was bad was that was my family. So... I thought, man, this is not starting out good today, I tell you. But it is great to be here with you guys uh, today in this great message in this series that we're in. I'm really excited to be here. For, for those of you who are maybe new to our church or aren't familiar with um, how we do our teaching here, we do have a teaching team. Uh, my name's Olin Carter. I'm part of the staff here, and I'm on the teaching team. And uh, oh, my, my lovely wife, Tammy, uh, is here with me as well. And... Uh, we're just honored to be a part of this team and a part of a church and a culture where our, our pastors empower leaders. Um, you know, a lot of ministries, a lot of organizations um, are about one person. And uh, here it's not about one person. It's, it's about the vision that God has given us. And so I think that's just amazing. And I want to welcome to the people that we have with us uh, online today. We have people in Alabama, California, uh, Colorado, D.C., Florida, Michigan, New Jersey, North Carolina, Ohio, China, France, Germany, Japan, and Kenya. So welcome to everyone that's join us, joining us on our online campus. We love you guys. Thank you for, uh, for being a part of this today. And so before I get into the message today, I want to give you a, a, just a very quick encouragement. You guys saw on the, uh, the, the video earlier that we have baptisms coming up. And I want to just challenge you, encourage you, if you have never been baptized, maybe you were baptized as a child and maybe the significance of that you didn't understand at the time, or maybe you just have a desire in your heart, you want to get baptized again, maybe this is a fresh season of your life, sign up today. Right here, you can text baptism to the number on the screen. Um, I, I hate to cry as a person. I mean, I just, that's something, man, I hate crying in front of people. It is so hard. Every time we have a baptism here, I'm over there bawling like a baby. Just, <laughs> I mean, it's just so powerful. And there's just something amazing when you do something in obedience to God that has no natural benefit, right? Baptisms doesn't make sense in the natural but it's a spiritual principle. It's a celebration of what God has done in our life. And let me tell you, God will meet you there. The power of God is real when you get baptized. It is amazing. So I want to encourage you with that today. And so to get started today, we're talking about Flipside. Flipside is the series we've been on. And what it's really about is the fact that many times the kingdom of God versus the kingdom or the, the, the culture or the system of this world can be really upside down. It can be opposite. Um, and part of this, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, how God views things differently than we view things, right? I mean, heaven has a different perspective than we do here on earth. I begin to think, man, God, how do you view me? I mean, I, I'd love to see myself through God's eyes. I don't know if any of you have ever thought that before. Like, what do I look like to God? God, so I've just been praying, you know, God, give me a revelation. God, show me. Show me, God, how do I look through your eyes? And actually, God showed me. He gave me an image. We're going to put it up here on the screen. Um, apparently, that's how I look in God's eyes. And so all this week, I've been driving with my sunroof uh, open and trying to feel the wind in my hair. Um, but I don't know. It's not working yet. I, I don't, I, I'm trying. 
I'm trying. So just a little helpful tip to, to you guys out there, the key to staying in a happy marriage. I've been married now for almost 20 years, and uh, I just wake up every... Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's more of an accomplishment for her, let me tell you. But I wake up every day and I just pray, God, let her see me through your eyes. That's, that's the secret. Y'all will get that later. Um, so this series today, what we're talking about is flip side. And I believe what I have to talk with you, share with you today, could be one of the biggest keys to unlocking the kingdom of God in your life. A lot of times, we, maybe you've been in church for years, maybe you've read the Bible, maybe you're trying to operate your life through kingdom principles, and maybe you're experiencing frustration, you feel like things are difficult, maybe you're not sure why. I think one of the biggest things that we need God to flip upside down in our life is the issue of pride and humility. Pride and humility. I was reading a story the other day, and you know, sometimes, sometimes we need other people to help keep us humble. It was about a pastor, and uh, he was resigning his church to go start this new church, and he felt God had called him to, to go to this new church. And as he was leaving, this, this um, longtime elderly uh, lady that had been in the church for many, many years, she came to the pastor weeping and crying, and she just said, Pastor, Pastor, I don't want you to leave. If you leave, things will never be the same. And the pastor, trying to console this dear woman, he said, Ma'am, it's okay. It's, don't cry. He said, I'm sure that God is going to send a pastor that's even better than me. And she said, but you see, that's the problem. The last three pastors have said that, and they all just keep getting worse. <laughs> you know, sometimes we need other people to bring us down a notch, right? <laughs> I know I need that sometimes in my life. And you know, one of the most horrible things, if not the most horrible thing in life, at least for me, is to be humiliated. I mean, is there anything worse than being utterly, completely, totally humiliated in front of other people. It is painful. I mean, when I've been humiliated, it's like I just want to crawl under a rock. I want to hide because there's just nothing worse than that. And why is that? Why is humiliation such a big deal to us? It's because as people, we are obsessed with ourselves. As people, I always get obsessed with me. We get so me-focused as human beings, and let me tell you, that's something that I struggle with, and I'm sure you struggle with it too, and it's called pride. As I was getting ready for this message, the Lord reminded me of something that happened in my life many years ago, and this was over 20 years ago. I was serving at my church at the time, and um, I, was, I remember it vividly because I was working with the youth ministry, and I was over at the youth facility putting out some chairs and some tables for an event. And as I was putting out these chairs and these tables, I started to get this weird feeling. I, I, I just, I don't know, I was just in a good mood. I got kind of giddy, and I was just kind of, you know, putting the tables out. I was like, man, I feel good today, you know, and I was in a really good mood. And then it started to hit me. You see, I had just found out that one of my dearest friends, he was actually my best friend in the world. I would consider him a brother. I had just found out that he had done something wrong. He was getting in trouble. And some of the pastors and leaders of the church were upset with him. It wasn't anything life-altering, but it was going to be somewhat of a big deal. And he was going to get taken down a notch and probably, you know, get in a little bit of trouble there. And as I found that out, I'm sitting there putting these tables out, and I just got kind of happy about it. Why was I so happy about my best friend getting in trouble? It was because somewhere deep in my heart, I began to think, hmm, 
if he gets taken down, maybe I'll be lifted up. If, if he loses respect in everyone else's eyes, maybe, maybe they'll respect me a little more. And all of a sudden, I begin to feel sick, kind of nauseous. And God revealed to me that I was operating in pride. I didn't even realize it. You see, here's the truth that I want to share with you today. The truth is, it's a hard truth, but it's the truth. The truth is, is that the world promotes the proud, but discourages the humble. This world, this world system promotes the proud, and we discourage the humble. Think about it for a second. Think about Muhammad Ali, right? I am the greatest. We love it, right? He's the man. People love Muhammad Ali. I remember reading one time, he said, I'm so fast. He said, I flipped the light switch in my hotel room and I can get into bed before it gets dark. <laughs> that's pretty fast, right? I hear that as a man. I think, man, that's cool. I want to be like him, right? I want to be the man. What about Michael Jordan? When I was a kid, that was my idol, right? Y'all know the Gatorade commercial. I want to be like, I want to be like Mike, right? I mean, listen, I'm a white guy. I can't jump. I couldn't even touch the net, you know? And here's this guy flying through the air, you know, tongue hanging out, doing all this kind of crazy stuff. I mean, he was it. He was the king of the world, right? I want to be like Mike. Why? Because I want to be great. We all have this inward desire to be great, to be exalted. I want the world to look at me. I want it to be about me. Think about our culture today with entertainment and music. I took a moment the other day and I went to the Billboard 100 and I, I'm, I'm not very cool anymore, guys, so I had no idea who's popular or who's, what's going on, but I looked up one of the number one songs. And as I, begin, as I began to read the lyrics of this song, it blew me away the pride of the lyrics of the song. The lyrics of the song are me, 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 me. I mean, it's all about me. I got diamonds on my watch. I got diamonds on my chain. I got diamonds on my diamonds. I got diamonds on my shoes. I got diamonds in my car. I got money stacked up to here. I'm the best. Nobody's like me. I'm, I'm reading these lyrics. I'm like, is this for real? This is, this is the world we live in. It's about me. It's a, look how great I am. Why? Because we all know somewhere deep inside of our heart, we all know that this world promotes the proud but discourages the humble. Yeah. Me and my wife are trying to raise our kids right now, and we want them to be humble. We want them to learn respect. We want them to treat other people the right way. And so we're teaching our children to say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. It's a reasonable thing, right? But my daughter's at dance class, and other little girls are telling her, why are you saying yes, ma'am? You don't need to do that. You don't need to show other people respect. Maybe you've heard that on your job. You better look out for number one. Because if you don't look out for number one, no one else will. We're trained and indoctrinated from the day of our birth in this world and in this culture that I need to look out for me. I need to promote me because if I don't promote me, no one else will. But here's the flip side today. The flip side is that God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Maybe you've been in situations in your life where you feel like trying to live this life is a struggle. Maybe God is resisting the proud. 
You see, it says in James chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, what God began to show me as I read that is that pride positions me in opposition to God. When I'm operating in pride, whether I know it or not, I have taken up a military stance. That word means literally to actively fight against, to array myself before like a military, like an army would array themselves for battle. When I'm operating in pride, I have put myself in opposition to Almighty God. I've cut myself off from the flow of His grace. And here's what's so important for you to understand today. If you're a believer in Jesus, because of the awesome work that Jesus did on the cross, God doesn't hate you. God's not mad at you. God is not against you, ever. But he is against your pride. Pride is under a curse. God hates pride. And if you're operating in pride, God's not trying to short-circuit your blessings. God's not withholding anything from you. You have positioned yourself outside of his grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we need to learn how to identify pride in our life is so important. And here's why it's so important. Because worldly wisdom in this area will do you no good. Worldly wisdom won't help you here. Because here's what the world will tell you. The world will tell you that pride is only outward arrogance. It's walking through your, you know, your, your place of work and thinking you're better than everyone else. And, hey, fetch me a coffee. Right? That's pride. And I'm not like that. I'm not, I'm not bragging all the time. I'm not treating other people that way. So I'm not operating in pride. But what I want to show you today through the Word of God is that many times we're operating in pride and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. You see, the world promotes a false humility, but biblical pride and humility goes much deeper than that. You see, what I've seen studying the Scripture is that pride actually equals independence from God. Pride equals independence from God. It's all about me, my opinion, my position, my privilege. Humility equals total and complete dependence on God. It's all about God and his people. And so I've got to begin in my life to understand when I'm operating in pride and when I'm operating in true humility. You see, I think the problem is many times we think that we're serving God, we think we're doing things right, and things are a struggle because we don't realize that we've slipped into pride. But anytime I put my opinion above God, above his word or his will in my life, I've slipped into pride. Now, I want to show you an example of this today. And because it's a lot of chapters, I'm going to summarize. I'm going to share a few scriptures, but I'm going to summarize this. But I want to show you the life of two men. And particularly one, and this man was named Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel. So for many years, Israel didn't have a king. But the people, kind of out of pride, they go to God and they go to the prophet and they say, we want a king. We want to be like all these other countries because they were being oppressed. There were these other kings and other people that were fighting against them and oppressing them. And they said, we want a king. And so Samuel the prophet anoints this man 
named Saul. Now, Saul, just to give you a little backstory on Saul, Saul was the son of a man named Kish, and the Bible says Kish was very influential and he was very wealthy. So Saul comes from a family of privilege. The Bible also says that Saul stood head and shoulders taller than any of the other men of Israel. So he was tall. The Bible says, it also says that he was the most handsome man in all of Israel. So he was tall, he was handsome. If it helps you today to track with the story as I'm sharing it with you, you could in your mind, you could kind of associate Saul with me. <laughs> tall, handsome. Y'all saw the picture, you know what I'm talking about. But, it's a bad example. But, so Saul is this tall, good-looking, handsome man. He's got all this stuff going for him, and now he's anointed to be king. In his first at-bat, his first challenge is there's this small enemy of the kingdom of Israel, and they're oppressing the people. And so Saul, the Bible says, the Spirit of the Lord came on him, and as king, he steps into his kingly role, and it says he got so angry, he literally took like an axe or a sword or something. He splits an ox in half. And he, he says, take it throughout the land, and you tell everybody that's what's going to happen to them if they don't come join the army and serve with me. So all the men of the country, man, they're like, okay, this guy means business. So they, they rally around Saul. They get ready for battle, and Saul goes, and he says, man, I got this idea. I got this idea. We're going to attack this enemy, but what we're going to do is we're going to split up into three detachments. We're going to surround them, and we're going to go in like a sneak attack. We're going to catch them off guard, and we're going to take them out. They get in their formations. The Bible says that they went into battle, and guess what happened? They won. Everything went great. And after that battle, I can just see old Saul walking around, sticking his chest out a little bit. Yeah. First one down, I'm the king. Set him up, I'll knock him down, baby. Three detachments. I figured it out. A little pride started to enter in Saul's life because Saul had gotten this big victory, but here was the problem. Battle wasn't over yet. There was this other enemy of Israel that was even bigger and badder than the last one, and they were called the Philistines. The Philistines, having heard about this, they come and they want to do battle now. And one scripture that I read in the translation, it said that their numbers, their army, their soldiers were so many, it was like the sand of the seashore, you couldn't even count them the people started to panic. The prophet Samuel told Saul, before this happened, he said, listen, I want you to go to this place and I want you to wait for me seven days. And at the end of seven days, you wait till I arrive and when I get there, we're going to sacrifice, we're going to pray to God and God's going to tell us what to do. With the end of the seventh day, or at the beginning of the seventh day, rather, Saul comes out and he looks around Samuel's not there. I wonder how many times in your life, maybe you've been believing God for something. Maybe it's been a healing. Maybe it's been a new job. Maybe it's been a promotion. Whatever it may be, and on the seventh day, Samuel hasn't arrived. Maybe you haven't gotten what you wanted from the Lord. We begin to get impatient, don't we? Sometimes when I'm in that situation, I start to try to figure out how I can get what I want my way. God's not coming through for me as fast as I'd like him to. And because of that, sometimes pride can enter in. And pride entered in with Saul. And Saul, he went to the people and he said, listen, 
Samuel, the prophet's not here. Bring me the offerings. Bring me the sacrifices. I'll do it myself. I'll take control of this situation. Hey, remember, three detachments, right? I'm a smart guy. I can figure this out. I'll take control. The problem is that's what not what God had told him to do. Let's read what happens here when Samuel shows up. So Saul goes, he makes the sacrifices, and this is in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 through 14. Samuel the prophet shows up right after Saul had done this, and Samuel exclaims, he says, How foolish, Samuel exclaimed, you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You see, Saul could not wait and he could not submit to the will of God. Why? It was because of pride. You see, after another instance just like this where Saul kept taking control and only doing half of what God told him to do, listen to what he says here. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You see, Saul was more concerned with what everybody else thought about him. He didn't want to lose. He didn't want to fail because if he did, he'd look bad. And so he put the opinion of the people above obeying the voice of God. And pride entered in. I wonder sometimes if Maybe that's what happens to us. Maybe that's happening to you right now. Maybe you're someone that you serve here at Freedom House. Maybe you're on a team. Or maybe it's happening on your job. Maybe you're in a position, and maybe, just maybe, the person that's in charge over you, maybe you're smarter than they are. Maybe things aren't going the right way. Maybe you have an opinion about things, and you want things to change. And maybe you are smarter and more talented than the person that's in charge. But here's the problem. God didn't put you in charge. You see, sometimes we want to take control because we know our way's better. I know better. Look at what they're doing. They're messing up. Let me take the wheel. I can fix it. But that's pride. Maybe you're being asked to serve. Maybe you're being asked to step into something. But you're afraid. Maybe you're too timid. This has happened to me many times in my life. Let me tell you, being called to be up here on this platform, it's, it can be a scary thing, right? There's lots of faces looking at me right now, and that can be intimidating, right? Because if I mess up, if things don't go right, I'll look bad. And so sometimes we don't answer the call of God. We don't step into what God is telling us to do out of a false humility because, oh, I, not me, I, I couldn't do it, I'm too shy, or that's, that's not really my thing, when really all it is is we're too afraid of what other people are going to think about us. And that's pride too. Let me tell you, pride is not debasing yourself and wallowing around, oh, woe is me, I'm just, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. That's false humility. You're taking pride and being humble. Humility is dependence on God. If God puts you in a position, if God has called you to do something, how dare you say you're not qualified? If God has appointed you for something, God will equip you to do it. 
Anytime we put our opinion above God's, it's pride. That's how pride enters in. Maybe it's a financial area of your life. I know this one's bit me many, many times. Maybe you need a new car, right? And man, let me tell you, when pride enters in, you can have the best justifications. We think up the best excuses. Oh, God, I need a new car. I can't get to work without a new car, God. I have to have a new car. Lord, if I don't have a new car, I I couldn't even come to church and serve you. I need a new car, God. God, they've got 0.9% financing. I can't miss that. I can't, I can't miss that opportunity. We've got every reason why we know better than God. Maybe God's spoken to you and he doesn't want you to get in debt. Maybe you've prayed about it and you don't have a peace about it, but you want it so badly or you want to impress others, you jump out there ahead of the will of God, even though you know in your heart it's not right, and we take control. When we do that, that's pride. We're all guilty of pride when we rush to get for ourselves what we want ahead or outside of God's will. That's pride. It's not always just outward arrogance. Sometimes that's why life gets so difficult. Is because we wonder why our prayers aren't getting answered. We wonder why we're not getting this position we want. We wonder why these things aren't happening in our life. And the whole time it's because we've set ourselves in opposition with God. I heard a pastor say recently that sometimes we do such a great job wrecking our own lives that the demons are sitting back saying, man, that's good. I need to write that down. I never even would have thought of that. Sometimes we do such a good job of cutting ourselves off from God's blessing and his grace that the devil doesn't have to do a thing. We've short-circuited our own success. Why? Because we've slipped into pride. But there's another man that I want to mention to you. And in verse 14, the Bible says that God replaced Saul with, quote, a man after his own heart. I love that. Man, God loves the humble and gives grace to the humble. This man, if you've ever studied uh, biblical history, or I mean, this guy's a historical figure in his own right. His name was King David. And King David was a lowly shepherd boy. I mean, he was, he was nothing, right? He was nobody special. He wasn't the tallest. He wasn't as good looking. He didn't have all these things going for him. He didn't come from a wealthy family, but he had a humble heart. And here's the thing I love about King David and what I relate to in that, and maybe you'll relate to it as well. It's the fact that King David, if you study his life, he wasn't a perfect man. He had big sins. He had mistakes he made as the king of Israel. David messed up big time. He wasn't perfect, but he was humble. Because he was humble, when he would mess up, he would go to God and God would forgive him. Because he was humble, God established his kingdom forever and Jesus came through the line, the lineage of David. You see, I want to read you this. This is 1 Samuel 18, 18. You'll see David's heart here. This is when Saul offered his daughter to David in marriage to get David in the the royal line. David said, who am I and what is my family in Israel that I should be a king's son-in-law? David exclaimed, my father's family is nothing. You see how David saw himself? Who am I? Who am I that I would be a king? Who am I that I would be a prince? Who, Who am I? David kept his heart humble before the Lord. We know that because... There was a time when Saul, because David had been anointed king by Samuel, Saul was actually chasing after David to kill him. 
David was running from Saul, and one day Saul ends up in this cave where David and his men were already hiding in the cave. So Saul didn't know they were there. Saul goes into the cave, and where Saul was so so bent and and just determined to get the approval of everybody where Saul was afraid of what the people would think about him, David was exactly the opposite. Saul goes into the cave, and all of David's men say, David, David, this is your chance. Go kill him. You've got him. He he, he doesn't know we're here. You can sneak up on him. You could kill him. Hey, this, this king thing, man, you've been anointed. You're a better leader than Saul. You're a better leader than Saul will ever be. You're the rightful king. Go take him out. We're with you. David could have very easily said, Yeah, yeah, this is taking too long. I am the rightful king. I'd be a better king than he is. He could have went in there and killed Saul. But what did David say? David said, No. He said, Far be it from me to touch God's anointed. What he said was, Really? If God made Saul king... I'm not going to take him out. God's got a plan, and if God made Saul king, listen, I'll wait on my time. If God wants me to be king, I'll let God make me king. Because David wouldn't promote himself, God promoted him. And it's the same in our life. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace. He gives grace to the humble. David could have promoted himself, but he didn't, and I love that. He had a humble heart before the Lord. So, Today, some of you might be recognizing, identifying, maybe you've got some pride in some areas of your life. I know I struggle with it. We all do. If you're breathing, pride is going to come against you. It's something we all struggle with. So what is the cure for pride? How do we deal with it? Well, number one, the Bible says, going back to our first scripture today, James chapter 4, it says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, what does it say? Submit yourself to God. Number one, you have to submit yourself to God. Now, I spent countless hours studying that word submit in the Greek. I I looked up all the tenses, all these dictionaries. I mean, I spent hours and hours studying this word. I wanted to dig every ounce of theological weight out of this word submit. I wanted to know, really, what does it mean? And after hours of study, I can tell you assuredly that word submit there, it means to submit. I tried to get you out of it. I'm sorry. God, surely it means something else. I mean, I know sometimes I go to God and God's speaking something in my life. And I'm like, God, I don't want to do that, God. I'm not hearing you clearly. God, show me a sign. But you know what? Obeying God, submitting to God, it's not easy. But it's not complicated. Sometimes people will say, I just, I'm not sure what God wants me to do. Yeah, you are. I know in my life when I say that, it's an excuse. It's because I know God's speaking to me to do something or to stop doing something. And I'm saying, God, I just need a sign. I just need you to speak clearly to me. And God's like, stop sinning. And I'm just, but God, I'm just not sure if I'm hearing you right. God, it's clear. God tells us. And here's why that's so important. Because Submitting ourselves to God matters so much in our humility because our humility with people has to be an overflow of our submission to God. If we're not submitted to God fully, we will never be humble with other people. It'll never happen. 
The second thing that we have to do is we have to resist the devil. It says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I've heard a pastor say, or a lot of pastors say this story many times, and it says that you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. If you're a human being, thoughts of pride are are going to enter in. You're going to be tempted with pride. That's okay. That's not a sin to be tempted. We all are. But you can stop the bird from building a nest. You see, that day that I was getting happy and giddy over my friend getting in trouble because I thought it might promote me and might make this opportunity for me, after I began to feel sick and God convicted me of that, the only thing I knew to do was pray. And so what I began to do to resist the devil, because remember, to resist means to actively fight against So what I began to do was I began to pray, and I began to pray for my friend. So what did I pray? I began to pray, God, bless him, promote him ahead of me. God, take from my blessings and give them to him. God, let me be his servant. God, promote him and cover him and bless him. Let me tell you, when you begin to actively resist the devil out of submission to God, he'll flee from you. I felt that pride begin to leave right away because I was resisting the devil. I found that the greatest remedy for pride, for bitterness, for unforgiveness, any of those things in your life is begin to pray for God to bless that other person. I was in a life group one time and this lady was sharing how she just had this anger and this bitterness against this other person and I just can't forgive them and you just don't know what they've done to me. And I said, you need to begin to pray that God would bless them. And she said, I just couldn't do that. But when we have that attitude, that's pride. We've cut ourselves off from the flow of God's grace. The third and final thing that we need to do today to make sure that we're cured from this pride, that we get this pride out of our life, and this is a big one, we need to learn to serve beneath our status. We have to learn to serve beneath our status. You see, we love to be served. All of us do. But do you love to serve others? Jesus was our example in this in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset or attitude as Christ Jesus, who being in, the very, in being in very nature God, he was at the highest point, the highest status, the highest privilege you could be, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I read a quote about this that really was powerful to me, and it just said, had Jesus come into the world emphasizing his equality with God, the world would have been amazed but not saved. You know, people need, don't need you to impress them. They need you to serve them. Maybe you're a PhD. That's impressive. But can you lay down your PhD and go change some diapers? Maybe you're a SVP. That's a big deal. But are you willing to go stand in the hot sun and park some cars? See, people don't need us to impress them. They need us to serve them. Humility is not lowering your status. It's the willingness to lay it down. 
Are you willing to lay down your status today and serve somebody else? Are you willing to obey God when you're not getting what you want, when you want, how you want it? Are you willing to submit yourself to him, humble yourself, so that he can give you grace? Let me tell you the good news of the story. Everything in your life gets better when you embrace humility. Your marriage will be better when you stop taking your rights as a husband or a wife and you prefer your spouse. Your relationships will be better when you're more thoughtful of other people and you put their needs first. You'll be more productive at work when you don't care who gets the credit. People will follow you. You will have more peace in your life and in your heart when you stop trying to be God and you let Him take control. And your finances will even improve. Because let me tell you something. When you stop trying to keep up with the Joneses, it's a lot cheaper. It'll save you some money. So every area of your life will improve when you embrace humility. But the first step of living a life of humility is repenting of our sin, putting our faith in Jesus, taking that gift, what he did for us. Can I ask you all to stand for just a moment? The first step to this life following Jesus is acknowledging our inability to save ourselves. And you know what pride will tell you? Pride will tell you that you should compare yourselves with other people. Pride will tell you that, hey, my sins aren't so bad. I know people that do a lot worse stuff than I do, but here's the truth about that. God's standard is pretty high. And we have all fallen very short. Imagine for a moment that God's standard is the ceiling in this room. You got to jump up there, touch that ceiling. Guess what? You might be able to outjump me. But you're not jumping high enough to touch that ceiling. We want to compare ourselves to everybody else, but here's the facts. Compare yourself with Jesus. We all fall short. And the good news is Jesus humbled himself to serve you. And he died on a cross for your sins. So I want to ask two things of you today. If you're already a believer in Jesus, I'm sure God's already pointed out some areas of your life where you've got some pride. Write that thing down. Before you leave today, share it with somebody, but make sure that you leave here with at least one solid area of your life where you're going to begin to submit to God and get His grace flowing back through your life. The second thing, and I'd like to ask everybody in here just for a moment, if you'd bow your head and close your eyes, is there's, a, there's some people in here today, I'm sure, that maybe you're new to church, you're new to this, maybe you're new to faith, you love this message of this humble servant Jesus who died for you, but you've never received him as your Savior. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord. Here's the great thing. You can do it right now. It's totally free. He paid the price for your sins, for my sins, for the world. He paid the price. All we have to do, the Bible says, is receive it as a free gift. If that's you today, and you say, you know what? I want Jesus to come into my life. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Nobody's looking around. This is just between you and God. If that's you today, would you raise your hand right now? Amen. I see those hands. Hands all across the room. I'll give you one more moment. If that's you, raise your hand. It's just a sign of faith in God. Nobody's looking at you, but Jesus is seeing that right now. 
The Bible says that angels rejoice when even one comes to faith. Now I want to pray with you guys, and I want to ask everybody in here to pray with us. Join together with us, church. Let's pray this very quickly. Father, I just thank you that you sent Jesus to humble himself to die for me. I believe he died. I believe he rose again. And he paid the price for my sins. Forgive me today. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I humble myself before you. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe. And hey, if you want to find out more about our church or how you can be a part, go to freedomhouse.cc.